Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I'm so happy that you're here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about many things to do with parenting and motherhood and explore the joys and challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to share more about aware parenting, to inspire us all on our parenting adventures, and to support us all to raise our children with more awareness, connection, and love. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today I'm really happy to have Danny Willow back on the show again. Danny, thanks so much for coming back for the third time to talk to us. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here. Thank you. So we'll try not to laugh too much because we just had a bit of a false start and just <laughs> collapsed into hilarious stupidity and giggles. So we'll try not to do that too much. But um, Danny's been on the show twice already, episode five and episode 14. So I really invite you to go back and have a listen to those if you haven't already or to re-listen to them if you have already, as Danny shares so much of her beautiful wisdom. Mm-hmm. And just briefly to introduce you, Danny Willow is an amazing aware parenting instructor. She's got two beautiful girls and she is the founder of The Way of the Woman. She runs circles. She does sessions. Uh, Her and I run the Exploring Aware Parenting community together. And I just have so much respect for you, Danny, because you really, really embody this approach. And I love how you share it with everybody. So thank you. Thanks, Joss. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. So today we're going to be talking about like aware reparenting ourselves, using aware parenting to heal ourselves and healing our inner children. And really, I I love how you describe this, Danny, as this parallel journey between us doing our work and our children being raised this way and getting to express their feelings and healing their trauma and their um, emotions and their painful feelings that are coming up. So I thought maybe we could start off by just talking about like why is it necessary for us to do our work? Because I do remember Marion telling me many, many years ago that I um, that she was inviting me to sort of look to myself about something that was going on, and I was really, really reluctant to do that because it felt like this huge thing to be exploring. But increasingly, we realise that aware parenting our children requires so much of it, and actually, it's just as much about us doing our work as it is about us supporting our children. And really, we can't parent with connection and compassion and awareness if we're not also exploring our stories and doing our healing work too and you know it comes down to punishments and rewards and all of the aspects of aware parenting really we can't be applying that to our children if we are also still punishing ourselves and talking harshly to ourselves and we can't be focusing on meeting our children's needs unless we're also focusing on meeting our needs and we can't be playful unless we're also getting some (laughs) laughter and play and all of these things really so what what do you want to say about that, about why why this is a really necessary part of aware parenting? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with all of that. I think we often come to aware parenting because we didn't enjoy what was done to us as children. And so we get this beautiful opportunity. You know, we start, we come to it and we think, yeah, I'm going to read the books or I listen to the podcast and, oh, I can listen to feelings and I can do this play and, And all of a sudden we kind of go to offer that to our children and then we realise, wow, why is this actually so hard? Like why is it so hard for me to play with my children? Why can't I just do the nine types of attachment play in the book or why is it really hard for me to listen to my baby cry? It feels like it activates a part of me or something within me. And I think if we're not conscious of that, we might not be able to actually aware parent 
to the completeness that we really could to like this really, you know, we talk about it as a beautiful, deep connection and, yeah, really showing up and really holding space and, you know, being able to really move with them and their waves and their feelings and to play with them in in really specific ways and, yeah, and I think if we're not aware of what's actually happening for us, then often people will say, oh, it just doesn't work. You know, I did all the things, I did all the play or I've, I've listened to the feelings and it just, you know, they're still having, you know, whatever. They're still using their dummy. They're still whatever the thing is that we're trying to be with them within. And so I think the invitation, you know, that I certainly learned and I know that you did as well is very much about like, yes, we want to offer all these beautiful things, but we also need to look at actually what's really happening for us and why maybe we can't do some of the things that we just spoke about. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that phrase, like that completeness of our aware parenting approach. That's really that really uh, summarizes it beautifully, captures it really nicely. Yeah, and I think, yeah, our children don't they don't want to be burdened by our our baggage. We, it's not necessary for them to be burdened by our baggage. And so, like we find again and again, don't we, in parenting, that our children will behave in certain ways that are really an invitation for us to go in and heal what it's bringing up for us and. I've seen it so many times in my family and with the clients that I work with, and I know you have too, Danny, that when we we start to shift stuff and, and cleanse and heal and release our things, we see such profound shifts in our children as well in relation to many of those things. So it really is necessary for us to be exploring and healing our stuff in order for us to be then supporting our children through the magic of aware parenting. Mm. Have, you, have you found that too? Yeah, and I think you spoke to it earlier just about that parallel journey. So it's very much often what's happening for them. You know, I, I like to, when I work in sessions, I like to describe it to people as like we're in these infinity symbols with our children. So, you know, each one has this like energetic flow between us. And, you know, if we've got all all this stuff sort of stifled up on our side that we haven't looked at or maybe we have big feelings or maybe we're tired or whatever's coming up for us, you know, our children feel into that and, and that energy is not there. It's not, it's, we're not in that authentic, higher, beautiful wisdom person that we're meant to be. We might be into inner parts of ourselves or whatever's coming up for us. We might be activated. We might be, you know, disconnected or whatever it is. And so then they can't move what they need to move. And it, it's really difficult for them. And, you know, like you mentioned, it's like they don't want to be burdened and carry our stuff. So we have to actually look at, you know, opening up this this our side of the little figure of eight so that we can, they can connect back into us and go, ah, oh, mum's got room for me now. So now or my, dad's got room for me or whoever, you know, they've got the space to actually sit with me in these feelings. And, you know, until we do that, we're going to sit in this place of disconnect with each other, even if we think we're coming in and holding space or even if we think we're doing the play or whatever it is. It's not in this wholeness that we're sort of talking about where we really are able to show up in complete with no part of us being completely activated. Like sometimes it can happen and it can be there, but we can look at it and go, I can see what that is versus being really activated but still showing up and going, yeah, yeah, I'm listening, but, you know, it's been going on for 15 minutes and I'm feeling really, you know, I'm over it, sort of that sort of feeling. I think there's a really big difference in the way that we show up and it does all come from, as you mentioned, this processing and healing these, these parts of ourselves, which is an ongoing journey, which doesn't happen 
you know, in one in one session with one therapist with, you know, there's many different ways that we can do that. But I think this is a lifelong commitment to listening to ourselves and healing parts of ourselves so that our children get to be the fullness of who they are and live in their authenticity. And that to me is the most beautiful gift we could ever give to them. Mm, I love how you describe that. Yeah, absolutely. I really agree with that. And, you know, at the same time, it's really helpful to acknowledge how hard this process is. And there are so many reasons why it's hard, because we're living in our nuclear families where we don't have the support that we need, and we're stressed and overwhelmed by our lives. And we're probably facing all kinds of significant challenges coming out of COVID, and there's all the financial problems, and people have health concerns. So there's so much stress going on. And you know, so few of us received the support and listening that we needed as children. And so few of us had our needs met when we were younger. And so most of us are coming to parenting with a lot of a lot of unhealed stuff. And when we see mm-hmm. our children crying and we can see that, you know, roughly an hour a day or whatever it is, they're expressing feelings and they're getting playful laughter and connection with us every day of their lives, we can see how many hours and hours and hours of unheard tears and painful feelings that we experience as children that are still sitting somewhere inside us. And often, even when we've had lots of therapy as adults, if we haven't really, it's not for me, it wasn't until I started really exploring this from an aware parenting perspective that I really started to feel and notice deep shifts in myself Mm -hmm. in terms of my healing. So anything else that you'd like to say mm. about, about that process and why it's so tricky? Yeah, I think you 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 named like the most important thing, which is firstly, we may not have received it as children ourselves. And so what happens is when those parts of us, I call them inner parts, get stuck, like, you know, they they were shut down, they were smacked, they were sent to their room, they weren't allowed to be this, what we're talking like, this true, authentic, beautiful self that part of us then becomes within us. It's like, an you know, really pushed down within us. And so we get to this place where all of a sudden, you know, we're listening to our child and gifting them something that we didn't receive. And then that inner part of us kind of pops up and goes, hang on a minute, like I didn't get this. And, you know, I why can't I listen to you crying? Because this part of me is telling me it's not really safe for us to listen to feelings or, you know, I'm resentful that I get to, you get all this listening and I never had any of this listening. So we we have different parts of us that start to show up at different ages. This can be from, you know, birth all the way right up until, you know, the teenage adolescent years. It can be, you know, once we become aware, it's much easier to sort of start to identify you know, who's showing up, who needs to be listened to. And that's really, for me, the most important part of the aware reparenting is that we do have these beautiful little parts of us within and we get to listen to them and say, okay, what's really happening here? Because when we are our wise, true adult self in a moment, those parts are not there. You know, we're really coming from that really embodied place when we've integrated and embodied and healed lots of that. But when there are younger parts of us that show up, you know, in that moment, we have to offer them the listening. And and I think what you shared about was in, until I found aware parenting, I didn't even know I had these younger parts of me. I didn't, I had no idea. I was reacting, you know, in ways that were really not so enjoyable, but didn't know why I was reacting like that. And I think, you know, we're going to talk about this, but there's lots of conversation about, you know, the freeze and the fight and the different stages that we go through 
as well in when we experience, you know, a trauma and how that can then get stuck in our bodies. But to me, there is something that is really powerful in understanding that they are actually just a younger part of us that's experiencing something. And when we get the opportunity, whether that be with a therapist, with an instructor, with a listening partner, like in all those safe spaces to have that person be heard and held, like to cry and let let her share how hard it was to, you know, be smacked or sent to her room or not have the listening, then we get to heal her. And then she starts to show up a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And that's the parallel journey because the less she shows up, the more we can actually be present and show up with our children without her sort of coming in and saying, it's not safe here, we can't listen. So Mm. I see that deep connection between, yeah, just where what what's needed but also where why it can be so difficult in particularly in the beginning yeah absolutely and it is such an ongoing journey isn't it sometimes we tend to think oh we've done our healing now we healed that bit now we're healed but actually it's an ongoing process probably Mm -hmm. lifelong ongoing process for us and it gets easier and and it gets less painful often and we can heal the younger parts for us. Sometimes it's like a chronological thing. As our child ages, we we address each bit of us that that needs that loving attention. And sometimes it's just context dependent. So things come mm. up in life and that takes us back to those moments. But it is an ongoing thing. And it is part of this, this deep understanding that if we want to be welcoming fe- feelings in our children and supporting our children to know when they have painful feelings, and that they need to reach out to, for support as they get older and to become adults who are willing to reach out for support when they have painful feelings coming up for them, then it really it really is clear that it goes on mm. it goes on forever and yes. that there's there's a big backlog for most of us to be clearing, isn't there? Yeah, there's so much. And it is so hard to welcome feelings when our feelings were never welcomed. So first of all, we we learn through aware parenting to start doing that with our children. And then as we see the benefit in that for them, we can start to then offer the same thing for us until we're we do get to a stage when even though there's lots more still there that needs our love and our attention and our ongoing compassion, we can welcome those feelings when they come up for our kids and we can welcome those feelings when they come up for us. So like when our children are behaving in challenging ways and we can go, yeah, awesome, this is a sign that something's going on and I can come in and help them. And the same is true for us when we're behaving in unenjoyable ways. We can be like, oh, great, there's something here that needs needs some love and attention and I can do that and support myself or reach out for support to do that so it just it, I, mean, I love the word aware parenting because that's exactly what it requires isn't it awareness mm. awareness of this for our children and for ourselves mm. I love what you just said there around I think what's really important is like seeing it as an invitation often we might like see this part of ourselves where we're behaving where we're shouting or we want to stamp our feet and scream or you know we say we might say something really horrible to our children and then we shame that part of ourselves, don't we? Because we think, oh, you know, and then we, we go through this cycle. Why did I say that? And I'm such a bad mom and it's so hard and all that sort of stuff. And I think, you know, what's so important and you just spoke to it in that process is really like what what's this, like taking the curiosity and going, what's here for me? Like why is this part of me showing up? What, do, what does it want to share with me? Mm-hmm. You know, I've had the most beautiful self-discoveries and I went through one recently, which I'd love to share, which was about um, the house and the cleanliness of the house. 
and it, it was I was getting through this obsession where every day I just like wanted to clean the house and I was you know and I was getting really frustrated with the girls like saying things like you can't you can't make a mess in here like we need to tidy it up and not really finding like you know a, a sort of middle ground with them because they're kids and they make a mess and you know and being at home more and anyway and so I sat with my listening partner and I sort of shared with her you know this what I was experiencing like this anxiety around cleaning the house and she said to me, like, do you have, is there anything sitting behind that for you? And as I started to sit with it, what came out was this younger part when I was, I think I was maybe nine or ten years old, I had a really messy bedroom. Like it was really, really messy. And I remember my parents sort of saying to me, if you don't tidy it up, we're going to throw everything out, like everything. And they kept threatening, we're going to bring the black bags and throw everything out. And and I was like, yeah, yeah, and I never tidied it because, you know, that's a threat and it was they weren't following through. And then one day I came back and my room was empty. They had taken every single thing out of my room and put it into black bags. Hmm. And I just remember looking around and thinking, oh, my God, like nothing's here. And then obviously had really, really big feelings and really I cried a lot. And so in the end my dad said, okay, you know, you can choose three things out of the bag but the rest is being donated. And they did. They donated everything. And I got my three things, which I still remember what they are, which is also quite sad. Mm. Anyway, you know, when I connected back with like what was really happening in the house is that, I, I feel like nothing's mine. I feel like things are out of control. When I get to that mess, is someone going to come in and sort of say to me, oh, it's so messy, like we're just going to throw everything out, like, you know, what's really showing up here? And so I got to, you know, hold hold that younger part with her. She listened and she held for me and had a really big cry. And then she reflected something really beautiful, which was something actually that you had said to her, which is that, are you cleaning the house to tend to your house because you care about your environment and you love it? Or are you cleaning your house because there's there's feelings there and there's a real difference? And that to me helped me to sort of differentiate like when I'm cleaning it, am I cleaning it because I really just love the space and I just want a bit of a reset and to, to feel good and that sort of thing? Or am I cleaning it because there's feelings, because something's telling me in my brain it's not safe and I'm trying to actually avoid what's happening and not go to those feelings? And so I think, you know, when we get these opportunities to really look behind, like we do for our children, like what's going on behind the behaviour, it's the same thing for us. Like what is actually going on for us behind the reasons that we're feeling? Because nine times out of ten there will be a particular memory or something in our body saying this isn't safe and this is why we're acting the way that we are. Mm. Oh, thank you for sharing that example. It's really a powerful illustration of exactly that, isn't it? When bringing our awareness to what's going on, exploring what's underneath it, what what is it that's really, what's it reminding us of and what's really there and then tending to those younger parts and bringing our awareness too to when we are suppressing feelings mm -hmm. and, and the different energy that we bring to things that we're doing when there is that suppression component there too. That's really yeah. helpful. Thank you. So let's talk then about what, what does aware parenting look like when we are aware reparenting ourselves? And I'm wondering, you know, if we could just, I don't know, we talk through some of, some of the different things that we support parents with to, to be able to start this process for themselves because it, it is such an important part of so many of our sessions. Yeah. I think for me, like the most important part when someone comes to me for a session and, you know, they, they want to start 
this reparative healing journey, it's like, well, the first most important part is having listening, having your own time and space on a regular basis. So, you know, that's either with an instructor, ideally, because then they can support you with your children, but also just, you know, a listening partner or an empathy buddy. So I think those things are really important. Um, And I think, so that's the most important one to me is just having, committing to giving yourself the space to feel because often when we're in the mothering day in and day out, we don't we don't have time like things pop up and we go yeah okay I need to feel that but by the time we get to sleep that night we're like exhausted there's no space to feel that anymore so I think having a regular commitment to someone in some way is really important that could also be a therapist you know it doesn't have to be but it's nice when it is someone from the aware parenting community because they are on the same journey with you so I think Mm -hmm. for me that's always the first point of call when we're really trying to work out how are we going to tackle this together. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important too, and it really is the first place to start. And I think part of the reason why it's so important for us to be getting external support is that this powerful system of releasing stress from our body through crying and raging and and laughter and so on is is perfectly designed, but it's perfectly designed to be supported to develop as a baby with loving parents who are there and listening. And because we didn't get that, it's like that process has kind of stagnated somehow in us. And it's, it's, blocked. It never got to be developed. And as a result, we really need to be receiving this listening from somebody externally who is really able to be, is comfortable to be with our feelings, who is able to listen in an unconditional way without that judgment, without that fixing, and and to be really loving and compassionate for us. And then we can slowly start to be offering some of that listening to ourselves. But very, very hard to start in that process unless we're getting that from somebody. And of course, the beautiful thing about listening partners as well is that it's free. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I had a listening partnership this morning as well, where there's been something that I've been finding really difficult to give space to. Uh, you know, my daughter recently wasn't well, and I'd just gone into like survival mode while she was going through hospital and all that kind of stuff. And so all of my feelings were like on hold really for two weeks mm-hmm. while I dealt with the immediate situation for her and then the supporting her with her feelings afterwards. And I was like, I just knew that I was going to have a session with my listening partner and then I would be the opportunity for me to start exploring what feelings for me came up from that. And in that process, it it was a half hour listening. And in that process, I got to say all of the things I was experiencing Mm -hmm. in relation to her going through this process and all the feelings that I was having all the feelings I was having about supporting her to deal with the aftermath of that process. And then I got, we got some really, really deep stuff around lineages and my ancestors and these patterns in our family and this really, really deep, deep shifting of, of things that was so much more than just, oh, you know, it was hard when my daughter was sick in hospital. And so mm-hmm. through supporting each other with this compassionate listening, this acknowledgement and this understanding and support, just huge powerful things happens oh I love that I love hearing that because I I I know so much what you've just experienced and I think it comes with time doesn't it and lots of practice like what I'm what I think is really important to remember is what you spoke to like in the beginning and not not having crying in arms not having that loving connection we don't know what that safety looks like we don't know what that safety feels like we don't have it role modeled we don't really even have elders in a community sort of guiding us and showing us and so i think what you're speaking to there is when when we find a place to really 
have that safety and that can take a bit of time. You know, you've been practising aware parenting for many, many years and have lots of different listening partners. Now I've been practising for a couple of years and have had listening partners, but when that safety is there and you feel that in your body, you can go to those depths where you don't, you can really release and that person can be with you and you can have those big moments of like, wow, this is this in my lineage and that connection and this is what this means and this is why I'm sh- it's showing up like this and really start to shift a belief system, you know, an imprint, a story, however you want to name it. But, you know, when we're first starting out, like that can be really challenging to offer that to our uh, uh, to someone else, to a, a listening partner or to sit with an instructor or to share it because we don't know what that feels like. And I think that's a really important piece is finding places to have that really role model to us so that we can feel that safeness to like let our bodies go, yeah, okay, I can actually be here and share what's happening. And it's a bit like a muscle, isn't it? Like the more we show up in that way, so the more we lean into our listening partnerships or the more we get, you know, some paid support or the more we show up in, you know, local events that are happening around us with the community, the the easier it gets to share really vulnerably. But it's really hard when we've been told for for many, many years and generations that authenticity is not okay. Mm. Mm. Yes. And I love that you brought up as well about our, our core beliefs as well and, and and how aware parenting, I mean, that's such a central part of the aware parenting when we're thinking about the three reasons for our children's unenjoyable behavior or the three reasons for our unenjoyable behavior. And the first one of those is thoughts, understanding, information. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so true for ourselves as well, of course, that, you know, what we need to start exploring that. What what are we telling ourselves? What are we thinking in this moment? And how much of that is coming from our, our cultural conditioning and and our, the way that we were raised and the beliefs that we formed in childhood? And can we explore those? And can we start to unpack those more with some a bit more awareness and, and self awareness, so we can start to inquire like compassionately about what what are we telling ourselves and is is this really true for us now and are we able to let that one go and see how that one no longer serves us and instead connect to new core beliefs for us around around things that might be really important and what i find with that process i usually do that in a journal that's what helps me to to really explore my thoughts about things and my beliefs about things but what i find is that when i offer that compassion and that inquiry and that curiosity to my thoughts what I actually believe now tends to be exactly the opposite of what I'm telling myself from my core belief. I mean, polar opposites. Mm. So by allowing myself to go and explore those thoughts, and sometimes that is with support, I'm able to get so clear about what I truly believe now Mm. and how those beliefs really actually serve me and are so closely aligned with my values. And it's just, it's such a powerful process. Mm. I love that you brought up the journaling because I think that's a really powerful place that we can sit in when we're trying to reparent. We can take a scenario, something that's coming up for us, like you mentioned, and journal out like what's actually happening, you know, like, you know, whatever that that situation is. And then we can come back with that compassionate voice and often we don't have it as an internal dialogue, like you mentioned, because we don't we didn't have that role model so we don't know what empathy and compassion looks like in this way so we get to really come back in in the other columns and it might be you know you you might like to bring it as a mother and father role model or you might like to have just like some spiritual sort of thought or you might like to mother earth I don't know there's lots of different people that we can call in to sort of you know hold that 
it might just be that a, a wise elder in our lineage that gets to come in and offer us this really, really beautiful reparative holding to this scenario. And I think what that does then, like you said, is it really gets us to look at like who, whose voice is this column, the first column, telling me that, you know, I'm not good enough if I don't cook a home-cooked meal and I don't have the house clean and I don't play with the kids and I don't, you know, listen to their feelings. Like if I don't do all of that 100% of the time, which is often something that comes up a lot in aware parenting, is like so who's telling me that? And quite often if we look at that and unpack that, so this is obviously a very big generalisation, but in a lot of scenarios and in a lot of cases, people saw their mums, you know, do sort of like attachment style parenting, but it was at the cost of um, the mother. So they just gave themselves relentlessly, and so you know they were so they were sort of um, yeah, just showing up in ways all of the time, but not getting any of their own needs needs met. And so then, as as a you know, as a, a now a person going, well, hang on a minute, like aware parenting is meeting all of the needs, but if I if I meet my needs, am I actually being a good mother? That's something that comes up quite a lot. So when we get to sit with that and offer this other part, which is, you know, sweetheart, you don't have to do everything to be an amazing mother and you don't have to do 100% of aware parenting all the time to know that you are just doing the best that you can and start to instill some of this other beautiful compassion and empathy which you and I love to you know in all our responses in the Facebook group and the way that we show up and work with clients is you know and mums is is, and parents is the most enjoyable because that is often what's needed and I think if we don't have that as an inner story yet we don't have access to that this can be a really beautiful place to start you know journaling it and then if we can't offer those parts the compassion and empathy that they need that's when I think support can be really helpful because then someone else external can start to offer it to us and I think you know um, when I started doing aware parenting and then realizing wow so much of this you know is I need help like I'm not compassionate at all and thinking that I'm failing and I'm a bad mother and all those sort of things. And I think when I had a listening partner, you know, I would voice note her every day, like with a lot of stuff and she would voice note me, but that continuous ongoing dialogue between us, you know, to be able to share and to have that back, I could just sit back and go, someone else understands me and I'm not alone. And often it can feel really lonely because we're in our homes, like you mentioned right at the start, we're nuclear parenting, we don't often have a village, around us we might not even have other aware parents close to us that we can meet up with so it's this really powerful opportunity you know this process to really deeply heal some of those big beliefs that we hold and shift them so that we can show up and go actually it's okay you know one of the best things I ever I ever heard Marion Rose say was even if you're not aware parenting 100% of the time, you're still aware parenting because you're conscious of the fact that you're not aware parenting. Mm. And really, if we compare it to people who are not doing any aware parenting, like they're usually not conscious of anything. So if you can turn up and go, oh, yeah, I'm not really acting in a way that's really enjoyable right now, but I'm compassionate with myself because I'm really tired and I was up listening to feelings in the night or whatever it was, that is still aware parenting because we're aware of the reasons why we can't shop in the way that we want to in that moment. Yeah, I think that's really important. I love that you said that. And I really, 
Yeah, I really want love to stress that to everyone who's listening that however imperfectly you are aware parenting, you are still doing an amazing job of aware parenting. And there is no such thing as aware parenting properly or aware parenting perfectly. And there is no such thing as, you know, perfectly behaved, mm-hmm. absolutely balanced, uh, aware parented children either. I just think that's that's a really, really crucial point to make. And and I loved how you were talking about voice noting as well, because I think often and just you know, what we would all love is to have twice weekly psychotherapy for the rest of our lives, but it's not always an option, right? So sometimes just speaking it out loud in a voice message to somebody else is, is so healing and gives us such clarity. And I think we're really the essence of what you're talking about is the power of, of unconditional love and acceptance that, mm. that, that when we receive that. And as we learn through aware parenting to offer that to our children, we slowly learn how to offer that to ourselves. And sometimes we need that to be offered to us by an aware parenting instructor in order for us to learn how to offer it to ourselves. But then we can start to to come into a space where our internal dialogue is full of kindness, where it's Mm. full of softness, where it's full of compassion. And we start to put down, and I I learned so much from Marion about this as well, we tend to learn to put down those those harsh inner critics we put down the sticks we 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 stop feeling guilty we stop yeah criticizing ourselves and punishing ourselves when we aren't being the perfect parent and that's just such a powerful process and i love as well that we can see when we're offering this to our children that this becomes much more of their internal dialogue is much more likely to be a compassionate one and so then yeah we can see the power of learning to do that for ourselves as well Mm. I love that. I love everything you just shared there. And I think in the beginning of my journey, I worked with Lael a lot, but I really moved over to Marion's work. And I think a lot of Marion's work really supported me to connect more, you know, to those inner parts and really listen to like the guilt, as you said, those guilt sticks and and really stopping, you know, not stopping, but being with the shame and, and going, why am I shaming myself and sort of unpacking that story lots and so I think you know she has some amazing support in that space like and it's all leveled you know there's some beautiful options that are you know really cheap and and just have reflections for us to sit with in journal um mm-hmm. up until you know big courses to like really unpack it and work and all that sort of stuff but I think when we're in those beginning phases you know it's nice to have lots of different things and I think that's what I was trying to say maybe earlier was we need a toolkit of different ways in which we can support ourselves it's like you know just with our children um we have play we can use different nine different types of very specific play to show up and try and you know work with their trauma or be with them with their feelings you know before we go into listening to feelings there's you know there's listening to feelings there's a habit holding loving limits and I think all of these these beautiful parts of the parenting paradigm is like if we're going to offer that to them, we have to offer it to ourselves. So what does that look like for us? Like are we playful? How do we bring more joy into our life? You know, maybe there's an inner part of us that really love to paint and we don't do that anymore. So let's go and paint. Let's go and dance. Let's go and swim in the sea. Let's, you know, what's our hobbies? Where's the joy? Because 
often, you know, like you mentioned before, it becomes this complete obsession with being, making it perfect, making a parenting perfect and showing up with all this awareness all of the time. And you and I are so much about like it's messy. It's really messy and there's a lot of grey areas in it because we're the first generation doing it. So it's not going to be perfect for them and they are going to carry stuff. But the more we, I think, bring in all the tool- tools for our kit, such as voice noting, listening partners, support, you know, psychotherapy if it's there, um, you know, IFS therapy. Um, and then I think the other side of it, which is what, who are we outside of our children? And I talk about this a lot in circles and sessions, like we're a mother and an aware parent, but we're also a woman. We also have needs and, you know, stories and feelings and passions and desires. And I think the two of them, like really weighing those up and going, I need to lean more over here and really connect with that part of myself. And I think the more that we do that, the more we can show up an aware parent with an even greater capacity and more availability for our children because we really know who we are. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I love that you mentioned Marion's courses too, because I think, as you say, there are so many that she offers. I would really recommend people to go and have a look at that too, because all of her courses around changing that internal dialogue I found to be so powerful. So I really recommend you having a look at her website, marionrose.net. I presume that most people are familiar with her work, but just in case. And I love what you were speaking about then in, in relation to us as, as humans and what our needs and, are and so on, because I think that's another really important focus in aware parenting is that we're trying to meet our children's needs. And we see how important it is for our children to have their needs met. And we get more and more practiced at identifying when they are having unmet needs that are contributing to their behavior being difficult for us. And it's really powerful when we also turn that around and focus that on ourselves and to be starting to be reflecting on on what our unmet needs might be and what steps we might be able to take to meet them. And it's really interesting that, I mean, I didn't even know I had any needs let alone whether they were being met or not, for a really long time. And then I suddenly understood this piece and it's like, well, how can I be aware parenting my children and meeting their needs if I'm not also trying to aware reparent myself and meet my needs? And we have so many unmet needs as a result of the way that we're parenting for community or for help or understanding or rest or harmony or ease or connection or, you know, the list goes on and on and on really. And actually, I would really recommend people to have a look at Marshall Rosenberg, the Center for Nonviolent Communication. They have a needs inventory and a feelings inventory, but on their needs inventory, it can be really, really helpful for us when we're first starting to explore this stuff and to look at what some of our unmet needs might be. And I think there's also really another important point around uh, imperfection, and that is around we have this idea that, you know, what we really need right now is some rest and some relaxation. So we really need to go on a silent meditation retreat for two weeks. Uh, That's what we really, really need. And then we go, well, we can't do that. So there's no point. Forget it. You know, just forget it. We can't do that because we've got children, right? And so I really encourage people to, to take time to identify the ways that we can meet our needs. You know, what is possible in this moment? Yeah, we can't do two weeks off, but can we do an hour this weekend while our 
the grandparents take the kids or can we have a swap with a friend of ours once a fortnight so that I can have an hour to go and walk on the beach or have a massage or, you know, is it just a cup of tea in the sunshine? And it's Mm -hmm. just that process of bringing our awareness to the fact that we have unmet needs and giving ourselves some love on that and just finding small ways to tend to ourselves and to prioritize some of what we need is is really immensely powerful isn't it Mm. I love everything you've just said like so much I wish I could like put up a little love thing because I think that is really it like we can't wait until the perfect moment because there isn't really a a perfect moment like there's no real perfect time where we're going to go now I've got all the time in the world and I can go you know that's maybe when your kids are married and have their own kids but then there's grandkids and so there's always going to be there's always going to be a time where it's, you know, it's full. Life is full. And so I think what what you're speaking to there is really about slowing down and finding in the moment how can I meet what's happening. And I'm I'm really, you know, grateful that you spoke about MVC, nonviolent communication, because that's something, again, that really supported me in the early years of, of, of aware parenting. I started listening to Marshall's podcast on training MVC um you know, instructors, therapists, whatever you coaches, whatever you want to call them. And that really helped me to start with the language. You know, most of us don't even know, you know, what needs we have. So the inventory spoke to is, you know, so powerful. And but even to identify the feeling, like we tend to just go happy, sad, angry. You know, we've got these very specific feelings in our in our Western society that we speak to, but actually what's underlying those feelings. And when we get really good at identifying what they are, when we can much clearly understand what the need is. And then we need, you know, what you're speaking about, which I really love, is like, you know, we can't often go away for two weeks, but can you can we just slow down because often it's this fast-paced lifestyle of you know working and ra- you know raising kids in the home and you know and it's, it, it feels like this massive sense of overwhelm so can we actually slow down our day-to-day stuff and maybe it is that in the morning we lie in bed for an extra 10 minutes and just cuddle so that you get to check in with how are you actually feeling today you know what's happening for me? Have I woken up? Has it been a hard night? And if it's been a hard night, offering yourself compassion, it was a really hard night last night. And actually today I was meant to go to that catch up and then I was going to see this person. I was going to cook this home cooked meal. And But maybe for today, we're just, you know, going to have a frozen meal and we're going to lay in the sunshine and we're just going to do puzzles and we're going to stay at home and just have a really nurturing day and I think when we start to really live with this awareness that there are parts of us that will come up at different times when we're not conscious of it right like it's in those moments where we're pushed to our absolute you know nth degree with children or you know feeling if we're solo parenting and partners aren't around or if we're single parent like you know we we get pushed to those moments even if we're none of those and we're just doing the parenting I think when those parts of us come up you know that's when we can go into a bit of a spiral again so it's really important like you mentioned to just start to be really curious around how could we do it differently and what could it look like Mm, yeah I love that I love that and you were talking before as well about play and um, yes. the, the supportive way that we can use play to heal our, ourselves as well as to support our children. And I'd just love to talk a bit more about that And and mm. because it's such a central aspect of aware parenting and I think it's such a central aspect of aware reparenting as well mm. and bringing more sort of playful fun and laughter in for ourselves. 
and and doing it with our children it can be really healing for us too but but making time to to use this playful way and this this laughing bringing more laughter to our lives in order to you know reduce our, our feelings of stress and to release and heal from from trauma and the painful feelings that we have particularly like it's so effective for uh, shame and in embarrassment and disempowerment and those kind of things so I often really encourage people to to do what brings them more laughter and more fun in their lives. And it's such a significant benefit for your health to be doing that. And yeah, I, I just, my husband and I really love like watching comedy, for example, that's something. And we were sitting around with my son who's, who's home at the moment last night and we were watching this comedian who we both really like. And there were moments where we were all just crying with laughter and it's such such a healing and enjoyable and fun process are, are there ways that you found that to be helpful for you or examples that you can give about bringing more play for your own reparenting as well yeah I think definitely watching something funny has been my go-to like if if I need to have a good laugh I often actually find just you know not separate to the kids but actually playing with them and being really silly myself with them helps me to really release a lot of that inner part of me that just wants to play and be silly particularly because I just I wasn't offered that as a child and so you know we play games about poo and you know I mean the other day you know stinky feet is a good one like and just laughing like just serious bits of laughter mainly because I hear their giggle and I think oh my god it's so beautiful and it makes me laugh you know being in these ways with them really makes me laugh as well I think being you know sometimes you know with my partner as well like we will have jokes about things and you know I get into these these fits these like rages of like fits of laughter and you can't stop and it's so (laughs) joyful but I think the other part is just offering myself like what do I really love to do I love to dance you know I'm not I'm not a professional dancer but I love going to like a five rhythms class and just you know really releasing and dancing and just letting that part of me come out and be free and be wild that really brings me a lot of joy and I think I I really love to paint you know I don't really love painting anything specific but when the girls are painting I really love to do it with them and be involved in it and we talk about the process and you know how we can make it layered or textured or whatever so I think that really I love doing art at school um So I think bringing in a lot of those little pieces have really helped me to be a lot more joyful in my own parenting because, yeah, again, like if I, if I disconnect myself from that, I don't know who I am and I don't, I don't have this other, this other person outside of just being the mother and showing up and doing all of those things for them. So I think they're the main ways and, you know, even just reenacting silly things that I've done sometimes or, you know, sometimes the other day I said something wrong and Marley would cracked up she thought it was so funny and then we the other day we were talking and and then my partner said to her you know how was the day or something and she's like mom has said everything wrong today and then we just laughed about it all again about how silly I am and I was quite tired so I could have taken it offensively you know and being like oh you know and instead I just went yeah I have I've said everything backwards today and we talked about all the things that I'd done and everyone giggled and you know those moments I sort of think like that is childhood you know that is building memories creating that laughter and connection and knowing through laughter and connection that it's safe like home is a safe place and it really I mean the crying is important but I think you know you've really reminded me of that of that importance of like laughter play connection joy is just as important as listening and holding and being with feelings that not one is greater than the other Mm. 
Yes, I love that. Yeah. And I love that as well, what you're saying about, because I'm also the the butt of many jokes in my family. <laughs> and there are times when you think, oh, I could really take this personally. But when when we just allow ourselves to enjoy the, the joyful connection that's coming from that sort of gentle teasing, it's yes. really nice, isn't it? It's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Okay, so what about some other things that we do in aware parenting? What about like, because we often set loving limits and offer limits mm-hmm. to our children. And um, that's something else that I found really helpful for myself as well, offering myself loving limits. So again, when just as with our children, when I can see that there's accumulated feelings that are impacting on my behavior I might go in and offer myself a loving limit so that uh, particularly if it's around being you know feeling guilty or beating myself up about something or going into that self-judgment I often would literally say to myself sweetheart I know you've got lots of feelings and I'm not willing for you to speak about yourself in that way and I'm mm-hmm. I'm right here and I'm listening and I've found that so helpful many many times sometimes I do it as well when I'm going into a, a control pattern too yeah. So if I'm having the 500th bar of chocolate or you know, watching the 6,000th episode on Netflix, I might, mm-hmm. again, offer myself a loving limit there and just be like, sweetheart, I'm here. I'm listening. What What's mm. there for us? Mm. What do we need to take care of here? What would That's you like exactly, that? exactly what you just said. I'm thinking... Yeah, the 100th bar of chocolate. I mean, that's my absolute, like if I'm eating a lot of chocolate, um, I know that for me there's feelings. So often I might start a bit unconsciously and go, yeah, I'll just have two pieces, you know, and then all of a sudden I'll just have another two and another two and another two and all of a sudden half a block of chocolate's gone and then I'm like, okay, let's just sit back a moment. You know, I start to feel a bit sick and like what's really going on here and usually there's, you know, accumulated feelings for me and really being able to identify that and be like, you know, I'm not willing to actually have any more chocolate I need to go and do something from the toolbox. So do I need to go and voice note someone? Do I need to journal it out? Do I need to speak to my partner? Do I need to, you know, have a session with someone? Like what do I need to do to really be able to move this? Um, I think the first part is the identification and then being compassionate and not going into shame. So, you know, I, I usually feel pretty sick, but I'm not quite, I don't shame myself anymore, you know, but that that takes practice, as we've sort of said. But just being very like, you know, I, I can feel that you have big stuff here and that's okay. And like, let's sit with that. What's really showing up? What's the invitation? What am I trying to work with here? Um, I think those things are really important. And, and equally, I, yeah, I just think the compassion piece, like we really have to learn how to be compassionate with ourselves. It's so, it's the whole, uh, whole reparenting piece. It's not going to work if we can identify what we're doing, stop the thing that we're doing, but then not actually offer that next piece of, I hear you, it's really hard. So I think, you know, the loving limit's beautiful. Like it might be going for a run, you know, and like running and running and running and running and like, you know, running our bodies into the ground and then actually setting a limit and saying, actually, no, this is not helpful because I'm just suppressing feelings. It might be what I said before, like the cleaning. I'm not willing to clean the house when I'm in a state where I really feel like there's big feelings here for me. I think the first part is really identifying like what's really showing up. So that we can even set a limit or be with ourselves in those feelings, because without that sort of awareness of what's happening, it just it just continues, doesn't it? Like you just sort of end up doing the same thing and repeating the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that compassion piece is absolutely crucial. It's so so important. Yeah, particularly in relation to control patterns. 
and, mm-hmm. and bringing our awareness to that. And we know that we offer that to our children. So yeah, again, it's it's so important for us to be offering that to ourselves. What about things like the broken cookie phenomenon? Because I love thinking of that in relation to ourselves as well. And and with aware parenting, we see so often that our children are having a huge emotional reaction to something that seems really out of proportion to to what the situation is. And we can see that that is like a pretext for them to be releasing their accumulated feelings. Mm -hmm. And you know, often it's really helpful to bring that awareness and understanding to ourselves, isn't it? When we seem to have huge outbursts that are really out of proportion with what's going on. And again, to use that as an invitation to, as you were just speaking about, to bring some awareness and some exploration and some curiosity, and then some really lovely, deep compassion and care for ourselves with that. Is that something that you you notice happening? Absolutely. I think it definitely gets we get better at identifying, but I think it, you know, in the beginning, and like you mentioned the other day, like, you know, when we've maybe experienced something and there's no space for us to feel what's going on. Um, you know, I, I'll give a really real example for me, like the grief of my mom is something that I find it really challenging to feel at times. Like it's something where it might come up, but I kind of say to myself, oh, but I'm with the kids at the moment, like, or I'm about to go to a play date or we're out for dinner or, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, in a meeting or I'm in a session or, you know, and I, I suppress it, you know, I say to myself, you know, now's not the time to really feel that, like we'll, we'll make space for that. But then what tends to happen is if I don't tend to that part somewhat soon, uh, that all accumulates day after day after day. And then it'll just happen. Like I'll just, you know, usually what will happen is I'll get into a listening session with my listening partner and it will just be like, just like this deep, you know, big cry about, and it's, you know, it's lots of different things, usually like the broken cookie phenomenon, which is like, we have all these accumulated things and we're not releasing them on a regular basis. And then it's this big explosion. And so, and that's what I tend to find happens. Like, it might be about mum, but then it might be about, you know, maybe Clint did something and then, I, you know, a hard day with the girls. And so it builds up into this greater explosion than what it really actually is, right? And so I think if we can tend to ourselves more regularly, you know, it's like a plant, you know, we can't just kind of put it out there and go, yeah, it'll grow on its own. You know, we need to like choose the right soil, we need to add fertilizer, it needs a bit of water, it needs a bit of sun, we've got to find the right formula to sort of nourish and grow this beautiful plant. And we are this beautiful plant. So we need to work out what's the right formula for us. How many times do we need to share our feelings? What are the spaces we can share our feelings in? You know, how do we get to this place where we're not having these really big explosions all of the time and not that there's anything wrong with having them because we all have them right like they are going to happen I think that's the reality is we go through periods where maybe our listening partner's away and we can't listen or maybe you know we experience uh, our children in hospital or they really need us and we've got to be present with what they need and we have to put ourselves last you know that's the reality of it. But then we get, like you mentioned, this beautiful opportunity to come back at some point and release all of it to someone or somewhere, journaling, listening, all that sort of stuff. So I think the important part is not to shame that either, you know, not to make that wrong if we are having these explosions. But I think if we can find a way to be with the feelings like we did with our child, so, you know, they want to 
the blue cup and there was no blue cup and so they have this big meltdown and we sit with them and we say, oh, I really hear you wanted the blue cup, that's so hard and I really hear how much you wanted it but I'm here with you and we listen and we hold and we do the same thing for us. I really hear that you wanted to release and share about your mum but you didn't and that's so hard and I really hear how big it was for you but that's okay because, you know, we'll find another time. Or So I think it's this dual dialogue and if we go back to the start about the parallel journey like that is it in a nutshell whatever words and sayings and phrases and ways of showing up that we're doing with them with listening holding crying releasing play laughter joy it really comes back to offering the exact same things to us saying those same things being that same way with them than with us yeah I loved how you explained that and I think often I find it really helpful when I'm offering those words to my children or when I'm offering these techniques of aware parenting to my children to be imagining the younger parts of me receiving those words too, particularly if you've been through something together, which has been really difficult. So yeah, I, I, I really love it. It's exactly it's exactly the same thing. It's this this dual parallel process that we're doing to offer compassion and to be with feelings and to mm. yeah, to deal with that's what gets us through. And I think, you know, I love how you normalize the fact that it is, it's really hard. It's hard for all of us. We all find parenting difficult. And even if you've been I even I've been aware parenting for 16 years, I still find it really, really hard. And there's days which are fabulous mm. and easy, but there are also mm. plenty of times where it is really difficult. So mm. normalizing the the need for support and normalizing the fact that we will all be doing it imperfectly and I think that's really helpful and that comes down to that compassion again really doesn't it and offering that to ourselves Um, is there anything else you want to say around the process of supporting your inner child I know Marion has this beautiful course the inner loving presence process and again I think that's that's a really wonderful thing particularly if you're doing it in conjunction with receiving external loving first so that you understand what what that might sound like to be offering that to yourself but is there anything else you want to say about that whether it's in the moment or whether it's more generally with an inner child yeah I think I think the invitation is always just to be curious around like who is showing up is there you know often we might not have a specific event or something very um you know, traumatic that had happened, you know, it might be mini traumas that we experience, like lots of those minute things just in the day to day. It might not be something that we really remember. You know, often people in in sessions will say to me, like, I don't remember much about my childhood, which really means to me a lot of it probably wasn't safe for us to really feel that. So I think just the invitation is always to get curious around what's happening for me. I mean, another big one in session is lots of people say like, you know, my child won't cry. And then I kind of go, okay, so, you know, what's, how often are you crying? And they're like, oh no, I, I never cry. And I'm like, well, there we go. So it's coming back to these parallel journeys. So the invitation can be what's here for me, but looking at what is my child mirroring and offering me? Because usually, you know, if they don't want to release a dummy, well, what's happening for us and what was our story around a dummy or around sucking our thumb or around, you know, needing to suppress with food. So looking at this parallel journey that you and I have been weaving in and out of this conversation because everything, you know, is is relative to what's happening to us. And then I think when we can identify the thing that's happening for us, we can start to look at, like, what what's really painful here for us? 
you know, what, what's really hurting, what's really making us feel like we need a shout or to feel frustrated or is it really tired or is it overwhelmed and where do these feelings come from? Whose story are they? You know, is it is it related to what we saw our mum do or maybe what our dad did or, you know, if a parent left and now we feel like every time our child leaves we're, they're abandoning us, you know, a fear of rejection. These are often themes that come up, I think, all the time and I think we just have to sit back and go, okay, what's really here for me rather than going into, you know, um, yeah, that it's really about our children, but rather that it's all connected. And when we see this connection, then we can start to make sense of it and unpack it a little bit. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, but that's basically it. It comes down to that curiosity and then that compassion that we can yeah. offer ourselves in that. And I loved how you were talking about that mirroring and the offering that to us that our children are often <laughs> bringing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So what about compassion then? Because that's a, it's, a, it's an easy word and we talk about it a lot, how you know we need to bring more compassion and it's so helpful when we can be compassionate and compassion to ourselves and compassion to our children. But often it's really hard because it requires a lot of unlearning too. So and what, what are the, some of the ways that what does compassion look like? What does it mean to you? Or what are some of the things that you learn to do differently in a compassionate way that, mm. that's so helpful for you? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think understanding needs and feelings was really core to understanding compassion. I think being and surrounding myself with people who understand this way of parenting and could offer me compassion. So, for example, you know, I did Lael's immersion and when I did it, it was in person. So I got to sit in person and listen to other women share their story and see role modelled what compassion actually looks like. I'd never experienced that. Or, you know, when I had a session with Lael for the first time and she said, you know, a lot of my childhood wasn't normal, it was just normalised and and her having compassion for me in that way, I think that was the story started to shift for me around, ah, okay, so what does that really mean then and, and what is a normal childhood and starting to really hone in people that I want in my life that are compassionate and can hold me in this way that I need. And I think over the years I've sort of collected all these beautiful gems, including you, and I can show up in the realness of who I am. And I think what compassion really means is can I be vulnerable with this person and they will accept me in the fullness of who I am. So that means if I make a mistake, I might mess up, I might do things that are not so enjoyable, but they'll love me anyway, this unconditional love that we spoke about earlier. And I think for me that is when compassion is. It also was having uh, having conversations with my partner around what I needed from him so you know when I'm crying and having big feelings that he doesn't come in and say well you just need to you know do this this and this and this you know but rather to be super compassionate and just to sit with me and listen to my feelings and not say anything at all I think it's it's allowing me to navigate what feels really really good in relationships and how I want to be held and supported and how I love to hold and support other people and watching them thrive when someone says to them, I hear how hard that was for you. I hear how, you know, it sounds really painful and I'm sending you so much love and then receiving that and going, someone really loves and cares for me outside of myself. And so the more that I have sort of brought that in and had all these beautiful people in my world, the more I'm able to offer that to myself because I know that that's the truth, that the truth and the heart of me is that, you know, 
I, I'm not perfect and I'm messy, but that's okay, that I can make mistakes and that's okay, that I can be my authentic self, which is, you know, a little bit different and maybe a bit spiritual and wasn't accepted in many other realms of my early years. But actually, the more I show up in these ways, the more evidence I receive that it is okay and that that is what continues to keep the compassion coming. I think that mm. for me is where it sort of lands. No, I love that description. Yeah, so beautiful. And like you say, when we're receiving this and experiencing this and learning to offer this to our children and learning to offer this to others, we we learn to offer it to ourselves. And it really is like speaking a new language, isn't it? From yes. moving to one that is forgiving and kind and mm. unconditionally loving that celebrates us in all of our uniqueness and that understands the struggles that we're going through and acknowledges the pain that we have and that just gives us this sense that we're okay, that we're good enough, that we are important in our own beautiful, unique mm. ways and, and we can start taking care of ourselves, not putting ourselves last and being really radically accepting of all of our imperfections. I think that's just so important and particularly in parenting and particularly in aware parenting, because often we come to this thinking that we want to do it right. Yes. And, and I just think it's so beautiful to uh, slowly learn to be so much kinder and so much more soft and accepting of ourselves in this way. And, and, and it impacts the whole world really because mm. when we offer this to our children and we start to offer it to ourselves and then when we offer it to ourselves we learn to offer it to our partners or the other parent of our ch children and then we offer it to our parents and our friends and you know it, our colleagues at work and it's just the a dog. really yes the dog absolutely our dogs get a lot of compassion Same. And our cat. <laughs> yep cat too <laughs> yes it's so important mm. yeah I love actually how, you, for me, you role modeling that has been so powerful. Like watching you at, with teenagers and older, you know, older children sort of saying, like, yeah, I still mess up and it's been 16 years. And I think that is such a beautiful story to hear because I often think sometimes in aware parenting, we hear lots of like, it's really easy and I don't shout and it's really beautiful and the connection and the whole space. But actually, there's a lot of messiness in it. Like, it's not perfect. That's the huge part of the process is just coming to a place where we can really, um, yeah, hone it in and go, actually, there is a lot of imperfection and messiness. And that's okay. That's all actually a part of it because it's a new language. We're the first generation and it's just going to take time to really learn how to, how to be in this space and, and be the compassion and, and be with our children in this way. And yeah, it's really powerful. I love that. Mm, that's so nice is there anything else you want to add that we haven't really I mean we haven't we've covered a lot is there anything else that you wanted to say about this I think it's just also we can only just go gently like it just takes time and it's not something I think you spoke about this but it's non-linear and we just have to allow it. it's like we might feel something and then have a little period of time where we don't feel anything and everything feels great and we're like you know got this aware parenting down packed and then the next second it's like oh no we're back in something big again and we've got to sit with that and feel that and so just being in this real like non-linear healing journey and that there's no I think the most important part is there's no there's no destination it's yeah. really just more about coming home to yourself loving yourself more and and so that you can love your children more and let them be 
the fullness of who they are and love them in their fullness and in, in the, whoever they show up as in the world. I think that that dual, you know, parallel journey is really, really important and just that it's a slow process. There's mm. no there's no rush. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. So I really want to acknowledge Elisa Salter's amazing work. And she does talk in her books about that aware parenting is for children. And of course, I just want to clarify that this approach is something that we are designed to be doing with our children in order to support them. And to at the same time, um, what we're trying to do in this conversation mm-hmm. is to talk about how we can use some of these amazing techniques that Aletha describes so beautifully and has done so much research on in order to support ourselves and what a valuable process that is when we do that at the same time. I also really want to acknowledge Marion uh, Marion Rose's amazing work and all the courses and offerings and sessions and, and the way she embodies and uh, models compassion is has been really, really transformative for me as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think it's been such an integral part of understanding myself and really connecting with myself. Like Marion's work is just so important. I think it's added another layer. So if we think of Aletha as like the roots of, you know, aware parenting, she's created this beautiful foundation, but this sort of next generation of aware parenting is very much about what we're talking about right here, which is this reparenting process and much of that has come from Marion and all her beautiful work and, again, obviously Lael and a lot of her work around imprints and stories and belief systems. And so I think, you know, their book that they've just released, Raising Resilient and Compassionate Children, I think speaks to a lot of this and how how to, you know, if you're looking for a place to keep delving into more, I think that would be the next place to go alongside all of Marion's work because that's that's what it is. It's really, um, yeah, the aware parenting is for our children, but this part, this reparenting part is for us and we get to free ourselves from things that were never ours to hold and that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I would really encourage anyone listening as well that wants to reach out for some support to be reaching out to one of the beautiful aware parenting instructors in the community, especially like someone like you, Danny, who who just really embodies this beautifully with such tender care for people and having this kind of support from an aware parenting instructor to unpack a lot of this for ourselves, to apply a lot of these techniques for ourselves, but also to to do it, understanding what we're trying to do with our children is really, really important. Like for me, I think that's crucial. I I would never go for support now from anybody who didn't understand aware parenting because it just wouldn't, wouldn't feel aligned at all because it is also interrelated. So on that note, where can people find out about you, Danny, (laughs) if they wanted to Um, work with you? Well, I'm busy redoing my website, but it's still up there at the moment. So that's the way of the woman.com.au. Um, but also I think I, I'm sort of really big on social media, more on Instagram than on Facebook. So you can find me at Danny Willow. And yeah, all of my offerings are in the Linktree account there. Um, that's probably the easiest. Or you can send me an email, which is always nice. I love receiving those. And yeah, and I just want to, yeah, thank you so much for just having me on in this conversation in this space. And equally, I think that you are amazing at holding this space as well. And yeah, just mirroring back so beautifully what people are feeling because I've experienced that with you as well. So I could say that if someone was looking to do this work, that working with you would be an absolute privilege. So yeah. Thank you, Danny. 
All right. Well, I will put those links in the show description. So thank you so much, Danny, for making time to come and talk about this. I know it's something that we're both really, really passionate about supporting people with. And I I imagine it's going to be a really helpful thing for people to have heard all your amazing wisdom and beautifulness. So thank you so much. And sending love to everybody who's listening. Yeah. Thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To find out more, please visit my website, www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm-hmm.